This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the $100 is Zach Ferran. He's a 22-year-old Apple employee, and he's listening to the show and loving it. For your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday, simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now, and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you did it to enter. Top Tribe, you know I don't have a lot of time to waste. That's why I use FreshBooks to send out invoices and make sure I'm collecting my money. To get your free month, go to nathanlatka.com forward slash FreshBooks and enter the top in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Nathan Latka here. This is episode 590. And coming up tomorrow morning, you'll learn from Magnus Astrom, who runs Now Interact, which just closed their announcing their $5 million round on an $18 million pre-money valuation. Now, you'll have to listen tomorrow to hear how much revenue they're doing and see for yourself. You tell me if you think an $18 million pre-money valuation is fair. He's helping enterprises with omni-channel data collection. Good morning, folks. Nathan Latke here. Our guest this morning is Zach Supala. He is the CEO and co-founder of Particle, a venture-backed startup that's making it easier to build internet-connected hardware or Internet of Things. Particle is the most widely used IoT platform with a developer community of 100,000 users and was listed as one of Fast Company's top 10 most innovative companies of 2015 in the Internet of Things. Zach's been featured on CNN, in the Wall Street Journal, TechCrunch, Fast Company, Forbes, Fortune, Mashable, and more. Zach, are you ready to Take us to the top. I am. All right. Very cool. So you started off uh, in sales at Groupon, and now you're mm -hmm. doing something that sounds very technical. Walk mm -hmm. me through that. How'd that happen? Sure. So actually, my background, if you go back even further, starts at McKinsey. So I used to be a management consultant. And while I was there, actually, even in college, I sort of realized too late I should have been an engineer. Um, <laughs> and uh, decided that I would sort of over time make my way diagonally towards the technical side of the world. So, um, you know, I started at McKinsey, I was doing operations work, a lot of supply chain work. So that's where I got to know engineering and in particular how products get designed and made. Um, and then uh, while I was getting my the MBA, I did an internship at Groupon working in sales operations. And so I ended up with this nice mix, I think, of um, sort of technical competence, particularly on the hardware side, and business competence in particular in sales and marketing. And then and when I started the company, I just taught myself how to do all the things I didn't yet know how to do. So I did a lot of front-end engineering early days. I actually continue to do some of our front-end engineering um, just to kind of teach myself. And I learned everything there on YouTube and GitHub and things like that. And so what is, tell us what Particle does and, and your business model. How do you generate revenue? Sure. So Particle is an IoT platform, which basically means when a company out there, typically a company that currently makes a physical piece of hardware, and it might be anything from a coffee maker in a consumer context to an irrigation system or, um, you know, a system that detects methane leaks on oil and gas rigs. Exactly. My audience um, will know Keurig. Can, when you tell the story, can you actually just specifically use the Keurig story? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so, so our company helps, our company helps manufacturers who make 
physical products connect those products to the internet. And that ranges from companies who make consumer appliances like Keurig's coffee makers to industrial manufacturers who make their irrigation systems or industrial equipment used in manufacturing facilities. Um, and we help them connect those products to the internet. What that means is we give them a cloud platform those devices can connect to. We give them the physical hardware that'll actually go into the device. So like a Wi-Fi module or a cellular modem. We, if it's cellular, we give them SIM cards and data plans. And then we do the whole communication stack in between the physical device and the and the web so that is sort of everything you need to build and deploy an iot product i want to chat more about kind of the story the founding of this company i also want to chat about security concerns and mm-hmm. i imagine you're playing a role in that as well along mm-hmm. with some other things before we get to that though um part of, you guys recently raised capital right at particle what did you raise we raised about $10 million uh, late last year. Okay. And what is the, uh, I assume your post revenue, right? What's the business model? How do you generate revenue? Yeah. So we make money essentially in four different ways. When we work with a large company, um, we sell them a subscription to our cloud platform. We sell them SIM cards and data plans. So both of those are like recurring, uh, recurring revenue. We sell the hardware that goes in the device. And so that ranges from, uh, you know, a couple bucks for a Wi-Fi module to tens of dollars for a cellular modem. Um, and then we'll often participate in some kind of professional services. So implementation to get their product up and running. And of those four revenue streams, uh, can you kind of break them down in terms of percentages? Yeah, these days, most of our um, our money comes from selling hardware um, because of where we are uh, and sort of. Uh, how long we've been around. Most companies start by buying a bunch of hardware up front and then the recurring stuff kicks in later. So right now, most of our revenue is hardware. I don't know the percentages off the top of my head. Okay. Um, looking forward to like years at, years out, um, it becomes mostly software. Got it. So, and, and you said the hardware stuff, that's ranging from, you know, a, you know, a dollar kind of per unit to, to $10 per unit, depending on kind of what industry you're in. More like, uh, you know, $5 to, to $50. And so uh, just to make this and really bring this down to earth for Keurig, what's, the, yeah. what it, what's in a Keurig coffee maker and does it cost five or 10 bucks specifically, you know, tied to your hardware uh, model? Yeah. So for, for a company like Keurig, what they actually um, did was not design a new coffee maker that's connected, but something that plugs into the back of the coffee maker and they um, use it for uh, consumer testing. Um, so you sign up, it's like a Nielsen reporting kind of thing. Um, oh, so you sort of volunteer to participate in this program, you get free coffee, and then they send you a thing that connects your brewer to the internet so they can understand how people actually consume coffee, which they didn't really know before. Um, and so that was, you know, something in the, uh, somewhere in the range of five to 10. I don't actually know the number. Okay, five to 10, great. And then, and then what volume are you typically doing on these things? I mean, are we talking a hundred of these tests out there in the open or are they talking a sample size of a thousand or 10,000 or what? You know, for them, it's in the thousands, but uh, our customers range from, uh, you know, one, two, three at a time to hundreds of thousands of devices. And we have com- customers who will be deploying millions in uh, 2018. So talk, I imagine, I mean, th- this is obviously the top of everyone's mind with China and Russia, and I'm sure we do this to other countries as well. But you're mm-hmm. sitting in a space where, you know, people are fearful. The classic examples, oh, my gosh, if 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 all these self-driving cars on the Internet and, and, and someone hacks it, you know, crashes happen immediately all over the place. It sounds yeah. like, are, are you, am I right in, in, in saying you're kind of playing in that space in between? And how much are your business is security related? Absolutely. Security is a huge part of our story um, and is a huge concern for a lot of our customers, especially with, are you familiar with the Mirai botnet, the webcam botnet? That no, tell us about that. So uh, I guess it was probably November, December of last year. Um, there was a botnet of like 10 million webcams that took down um, one of the DNS servers. So you may remember a day, I think mid-November when a lot of websites weren't working. Um, that was basically because a lot of 
um, webcams were had been hijacked um, and were attacking the DNS servers that help our computers then? figure out. Uh, yeah, exactly. Ah, okay. Um, uh, so I believe the worm is called Mirai, which is why it's referred to as the Mirai botnet. The Mirai botnet also took down the entire internet of Liberia, which was less widely broadcast in the U.S., but that's a huge deal. Um, and so that's a, a big concern. It's not only um, how do I keep my devices from getting hacked, but how do I keep my devices from getting hacked and participating in attacks, right? Actually becoming malicious. So, um, there's a huge range of security here. We do a lot of work to secure everything from the device specifically to the connection between the device and the cloud and the cloud and like all these different layers. We're trying to secure each one of them separately and together, um, which is what provides a really complete secure solution. Um, a lot of existing devices that are already out there, if you buy a cheap webcam from a Chinese manufacturer off of Amazon, um, that might not be secure at all. And uh, or I think actually the issue with the webcams in Mirai was that they were like Linux boxes that had the password set to admin. Yeah. And so that's like the worst case security. And there's a lot of devices out there like that. Now, these days, most manufacturers are intelligent enough to realize they have to secure um, they have to secure their products. And so they look to companies like us to help them. But these devices that are already out there that are insecure, they're not going anywhere. You know, people aren't necessarily unplugging these things. And so there's going to be, there's going to continue to be security concerns. Lag time. Yeah. I mean, for, it could be decades. Who knows how long these things are still going to be out there and malicious. Yep. That's interesting. Um, talk to us a little bit more about the history. What year did you launch the company in? We started in 2012, um, right. and we were we we're definitely the result of a pivot. So when we first launched, we weren't doing a platform like we do today. We were doing a connected lighting product, and we were also under a different name called Spark. Um, so we launched a product on Kickstarter called the Spark Socket, and it was a connected lighting product, kind of like Philips Hue, LifeX kinds of products. Um, that Kickstarter campaign was unsuccessful. We had a $250,000 goal. We raised 125,000, but Kickstarter is all or nothing. So that means we raised zero and that product never came to be. Now that was frustrating at the time. Um, it turned out to be uh, a huge benefit because we were released from the obligation of making that product that really didn't have a strong enough market. And, but we learned a lot along the way. And so we saw this opportunity where the technology we'd built for our own product was clearly relevant to a lot of other entrepreneurs and engineers who were trying to do the same thing. So we basically ripped the guts out of our product and uh, refactored it to make it an easy development path for engineers building IoT products. And then we relaunched it as a, with a second Kickstarter campaign in 2013. And that was for a development kit, like a Wi-Fi development kit, Arduino-y kind of thing called the Spark Core. Um, and that launched in May 2013 with a $10,000 goal on Kickstarter and we raised almost $600,000. So we really realized that we had scratched a niche um, and that put us on the path that we're on today. Tell so, us how your dad kind of inspired the launch of this. Yeah. So um, my dad is deaf and my mom has always complained that she who's hearing. Um, she's always complained that she can't get a hold of my dad because he has a cell phone that she texts him on and he doesn't keep it in his pocket. So, you know, he can't hear the ring. So there's no way for her to communicate with him. And so I was trying to make his lights flash when my mom sent him a text message. Now, 
texting is obviously a wireless communication. So it's not like I have something I can jack into. So I needed to bring the lights online wirelessly. Um, and that's what inspired that first product. And guys, uh, I, I think that story is important because it, it ties back to the idea of solve a problem for yourself first. And then what Zach has done has just been super smart about pivoting and reading the market. Now, <laughs> Zach, talking about reading the market, you, you have experienced successful and unsuccessful Kickstarter. Is it truly mm -hmm. just luck and chance? I mean, or did you do things different marketing wise to drive and, and hit that $600,000 target uh, in the seconds campaign? So that's a really good question. And that's something that we were, we thought was really important to figure out when we did our Kickstarter campaign in the first place. I look at a Kickstarter campaign or really any crowdfunding came campaign as an experiment. And so what we wanted to do was make sure that we really nailed the marketing of our first launch so that if it was unsuccessful, we couldn't blame it on poor marketing. And we did that. We actually did a great job with marketing. We got tons of coverage. We were in Wired. We were in Fast Company. And despite that, we didn't hit our goal. So we came out really confident that it was actually pure product market fit, that this just wasn't a good product. We surveyed our customers and we realized the big problem was that it was too expensive. I think it was 60 bucks per like light bulb that you'd connect mm -hmm. and 60 bucks is a reasonable amount to pay for a connected experience, but not when you actually need to connect a whole bunch of light bulbs. So very quickly it turns into thousands of dollars. The average house has like 50 light bulbs in it. So, um, so people said, yeah, it's too expensive and it's interesting and cool, but it's just not worth the money. Um, and so looking back on it, I think it was a successful experiment in that we tried something. We didn't spend a ton of money to get there. I think we probably spent like 15 grand mm -hmm. to get from idea to launched Kickstarter campaign. And then we probably spent another 20 grand to get from there to the second Kickstarter campaign. So we're definitely advocates of the lean startup mentality. And that's exactly what we did. Small experiments, failed fast, pivoted, found something new identified a new opportunity and really pursued it hard. And so guys, this is Spark Core, which, you know, on the Kickstarter page, over 5,500 5, backers pledging over 567,000 bucks. You know, it's you can think of it almost I like this graphic Wi-Fi in the front, Arduino in the back, mm -hmm. uh, combined with um, some wireless programming, a REST API, and ARM Cortex M3. Uh, and that's kind of uh, obviously what took off. Now, have you shipped all those already to the 5,500 backers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, those shipped in December 2013 and January 2014. So I want to, if you don't mind, get a sense of kind of revenue here because it'll tie back to kind of these experiments you're running. So in, mm -hmm. in, in 20, 2012 was your first year. In 2013, what was just total revenue from all your revenue streams? Uh, 2013, well, really, it was only the Kickstarter campaign. So you're looking at it. Okay, so so a little bit more than half a million, yeah. And then 2014, what would you scale to and what was the main driver of the revenue growth? So, you know, basically we've been on a like 100% year over year growth um, from then to now. Oh, great. Okay. So, so I can say 6 million, 2014, something around there. Yeah. In that, in that range. Got it. Um, and then most of the growth in 2015, which again, if it's still hundred percent year over year, take it up to 60 million. Where was, where did that kind of scale come from? I imagine that scale came from a different place than the, the scale that came from 600 K to 6 million. Oh, sorry. I, uh, let me redo that math. So it's double every year, not 10 times. Uh, got um, it, got 100 it. Growth, so. I was about to say, um, holy, so no wonder you raised 10 million bucks. My gosh, <laughs> you're going to do 120 million in 2016. Oh, I raised a lot more than 10 million in that case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're doubling, right? So so sorry, 6 million 2014. And again, these are all rough numbers. So roughly 12 million 2015, roughly 24 million in, in 2016. Same question, though. Sorry, uh, no, rewind. It's like half million, million, 2 million, 4 million is, is like. Oh, uh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Half a million for okay, yeah. good. So, 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 twenty sixteen, call it four million. Where did that same question yeah. though? Where's the scale coming from? 
Um, you know, it's so we had a hypothesis when we shipped this parkour that a lot of the people who were backing our campaign were professional engineers. And when we launched that product, we really weren't telling an enterprise story. We were saying, this is for developers. Um, this is for engineers. This is for hobbyists to build prototypes. Our thought was a lot of these people are going to be building prototypes in a professional context. What they're doing is they're building the first prototype of something that they're eventually going to want to ship thousands and or millions of. And so we spent from 2014 to today building out the platforms to help people move through the stages of development and eventually ship the product to scale. So originally it was all development tools. And then we layered in all these management tools to help you oversee and manage a fleet of devices that you've already shipped to customers. And we've launched that stuff in probably late 2015. So, um, uh, so originally all the growth came from just selling more dev kits. You know, we, we, the, it was 40 bucks. So we were selling the spark core, the spark core. Exactly. Our whole business was just, our revenue was all just selling spark cores. And then, um, we started to get customers who would buy a bunch of them, um, because they'd be making a thousand of something. So they buy a thousand spark cores. And then we started making modules. So not development kits, but actually things that you could really design into a mass manufacturable product. And that started to become a bunch of our business. And then we started selling the software platform as a subscription service. And that layered on. And then we launched a cellular platform and SIM cards, cards. and that became a huge part of our business. So it's sort of like for a hardware startup, one of the challenges that companies face as they scale is going from being a product to being a company. And being a company means you are more than your product. In many ways, you're a portfolio of products and solutions. and, um, And that's what we've become. And so we basically have uh, you know, growth of each individual product is we just generally get better at marketing and selling them. But then also we keep layering on new products and new solutions on top of that. And so that's what comes together to create a lot of growth. And 2017, what's your revenue goal? What would make you really happy? Um, you know, we're shooting to double again. So it's actually, you know, 10 is, is sort of our goal. Um, and then we just want to keep going down that path. And what is it? It, Just some other kind of size related stuff. So you launched in 2012, Uh, what's team size to date? Uh, right now we're 35 people full time. And we have a handful of contractors who help out with various things. And where's, where's home? San Francisco. Everybody? No, uh, about half the team. Um, we have, we originally in Minneapolis. And so some of our team is there. We have people in China who oversee our manufacturing. Uh, and then we've hired engineers all over the world because we tend to hire out of our developer community. And that means that we hire people in, uh, Norway, London, um, Michigan, Illinois, New York, all over. This is going to, don't be offended by this, but how do you make sure people, you know, people in China are, are not, you know, in bed with the Chinese government and actually have somehow compromised particle.io? Well, one part is we're not, uh, um, you know, we're not a big enough target yet. So these yep. are a lot of problems that we will definitely want to solve over the long term. In the short term, we will make sure that we trust these people. So we actually did a program, an accelerator program called Hacks that's in Shenzhen. So we lived in Shenzhen for four months. So oh, okay. our manufacturing relationships came from people that we got to know very well. Um, Will, who's the person on our team who runs our supply chain, he spent the following year in China um, working very closely with our manufacturing partners. He personally hired all of the people that we have there working full time. So as a result, we have a very deep trusting relationship with the people that we work with over there. And I've seen a lot of other startups get into uh, cases where not that there's government intervention, but that they're that they are working with untrustworthy parties. So people who will um, hold their 
you know, their inventory. intellectual property hostage. Oh. Um, yeah. Or inventory, you know, and say like, you got to pay us and, and, uh, you know, they'll raise their prices and say, you got to pay us more and we're holding on to your inventory until you, until, you know, I've seen that happen. And we've been by, by working to make sure we work with people we trust, we've been able to avoid those problems. Okay, Top Tribe, as many of you know, I sold Heyo, and everyone is always asking me what my expenses were when I was building Heyo. Well, a big expense was that I spent over three grand per month on financial services to keep me out of trouble in terms of taxes. You know, my mom would always harbor me, Nathan, you gotta keep all your receipts and put them in a freaking box or something to make sure you don't get an audit or things like this. I'm like, mom, I'm a millennial. You think I'm gonna keep all these receipts? I now use FreshBooks. I use their mobile app to take a picture of receipts and it makes taxes a cinch. Additionally, I don't have to hire a $3,000 per month person to manage all my finances. It's like saving so much money and my mom's happy. Additionally, I don't waste a bunch of time creating invoices. I use their templates and I can avoid using Word templates or Excel files. I just use FreshBooks to quickly send out invoices and it works like a charm. To get your free first month, go to nathanlatka.com forward slash FreshBooks and enter the top in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Again, go to nathanlatka.com forward slash FreshBooks and enter the top in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's great. Well, Zach, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, the Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. It's amazing. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Uh, Jeff Lawson, the CEO of Twilio, is the one I respect quite a bit. Um, a lot of our business, we're sort of following his path and the the things that he figured out about how to build a developer community and build a business off of. So I have a ton of respect for him. As you uh, have, we'll have the treat of actually hearing from Jeff. He'll be coming on the show in the next few weeks. So we'll be sure, Zach, to tie you guys into that conversation as well. Awesome. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you have, like Acuity Scheduling? Oh, uh, I'm a huge fan of Slack, but I think everybody is. So that one's not super exciting. Uh, Asana, <laughs> we use Asana a lot and it helps me keep my life organized. Number four, yes or no, do you get eight hours of sleep every night? No, probably six and a half, seven. Okay. And what's your situation? Married, single, do you have kids? I'm married. Any kids? Not yet. Okay. And what's your, uh, how old are you? I am 32. All right. So last question, take us back 12 years. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Oh God, what was I doing when I was 20? I was in college. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, I think that was the point where I was, that was the moment when I realized that I should have been an engineer and was frustrated at myself and not le- figuring it out earlier. Cause your freshman year in college is when you make all those decisions. And I was too late to really pivot. Um, I was already had a certain major. I was majoring in cognitive science and I was frustrated with that. And um, what I've realized since is you don't have to be an engineer to be an engineer. You don't need a degree. Um, what you need to do is be good. And you can you can get good at engineering in a lot of different ways that don't require a college degree. So I figured that out later, but it would have been helpful to figure it out sooner. There you have it from Zach, again, founder of Particle.io. He would have jumped into engineering earlier. He's building his company around four main revenue streams, ranging from subscription revenue to SIM card revenue to hardware to professional services. They did about 600K in 2013. 2016 scaled up to about five uh, with the goal of doing somewhere around 10 here in 2017. They've got a team spread out between San Francisco, Minneapolis, China, and elsewhere of 35 folks, raised about 14 million bucks, really focused on security, but also 
how do we get, how do they get their spark core systems into more devices and more products to more efficiently connect again I, the, the iot uh marketplace zach thank you so much for taking us to the top absolutely thanks for having me if you enjoyed Zach today, go back and listen to Heptio CEO Craig McLucky. He's helping growing Kubernetes adoption with over $8.5 million raised from Excel Partners pre-revenue, but there's a good reason he got 8.5 million bucks. He's ushering in a new wave. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday. 